1: Welcome to our show. I'm producer Jason Dawes, and here with me are our hosts, Dr. Russ McCullough and Dr. Levi Russell.
0: Okay, so today we're going to tackle tithing. Uh, My son, Carter, uh, brought it up that, hey dad, why don't you do a tithing episode? And I'm like, okay, that sounds good. So that's where we're at with this. Um, So we've done our Google searches and a little Wikipedia hunt, and and I'm sure we're going to just get into some deep theological weeds, but... Uh, Here we go, and we can think about some of the economics maybe behind this uh, historically and currently as households face their own personal budgeting. Um, We did talk about Dave Ramsey a couple episodes ago, and uh, he's pretty big on uh, the tithe being part of your personal budgeting, which for him is 10%, and he says, well, that's a good start. So in his program, this is really what he does personally. I mean, he's not a strong advocate uh, of saying, well, if you follow my program, you got to do it this way, but um, because he helps both Christians and non-Christians alike with his program. But nonetheless, 10% as tithe, which means uh, going to your church or clergy, and then you can give above that to other places, nonprofit organizations and, and other things. So. I think the data, uh, that the little bit that I looked at, show that there's not a lot of people out there that are giving 10% off the top. Some denominations uh, do this more than others. And so we can dig into some Bible verses. I think of it this way, that the technical tenth are 10%. And of course, as usual, we're open open for criticism and emails on on this. But... Was an Old Testament thing for the most part, and and it came in different ways with different interpretations as you get into the New Testament. But the ten percent thing is is very strong in the Old Testament, where you're giving ten percent of your income uh, or one tenth of your corn crop or uh, whatever it was. Um, it was it was fairly specific. So then Jesus comes along and back in the Old Testament days, you couldn't eat bacon either. So I like to say, my saying with tithing is this, no bacon, you tithe. Eat bacon, no tithe. So you just kind of got to go follow the bacon is what I think (laughs) works pretty well for my interpretation of of the scripture here. So that's kind of my opening thoughts. Uh, you know, I can wrestle under your You're thinking.
2: I think it's funny that it just it took us three dozen episodes to get to tithing, <laughs> which is like the the most obvious you know sort of financial faith <laughs> concept. But oh you know, well, yeah. So I I agree with you on the sort of fulfilling the old law kind of thing. My reading for the Catholic Church's interpretation is that basically we consider it to be part of the old law that goes away like you were talking about with bacon so and you know to me it's, it's I think it's just an interesting thing because there's there's sort of the moral duty component and there's the practical component and so I, I think it's interesting that maybe some of these different churches or different communities have figured out different ways of you know, providing services. Right. And so like one of the Mm -hmm. things to think about is, you know, these aren't for profit entities, right? They're nonprofits. And so there's not, it's not as if there's some kind of return that has to be generated for a shareholder. Right. Right. And so really it's just about funding the activities of the group. Right. And so whatever those activities are, you know, that's the bar for what kind of money you need to pay. Right. Yeah. And so if it's just the general operation of a building and you know, maybe paying, paying enough to keep the the priest or, uh, or a pastor and his family alive, then it is what it is. But maybe you have facility that I know in my, in my hometown, the Catholic church there has like a little young mother's thing where they, people donate money or they donate cribs and baby food and stuff like that. Um, And so just having a facility there for that, there's a cemetery, uh, you know, here in Ottawa, we have a, there's a Catholic church cemetery over there on the Mm -hmm. highway and um, you know, that has to be maintained (laughs) schools, you know, and part of that's tuition. I know the funding model in the Archdiocese of Kansas city is about half the money comes from the parish and then the half of the money for the school comes from tuition. So we get a big break on the tuition as Mm -hmm. as parents with kids in the school.
0: Um, Yeah. So similar to the government transfer payments concept, which part of the church's donations are a pass-through to other services. I know our, our church gives to the Hope House here locally That's uh, mm-hmm. uh, in addition to other things, But and I know a lot of the churches donate to the Hope House, and so part of it is a little bit strategic that if somebody's in need, that's the one stop to go rather than them knocking on the door of every church and saying, help, I'm hungry, the churches then direct those people directly to the Hope House and say, Oh, right. well, we fund the Hope House. Here's the, yeah. here's the phone number. Here's the address. Um, we've got people there that can, that can help you out in that area. Um, so
2: with communication technology <laughs> and economies of scale, yep. you know, it just kind of makes that a little more efficient. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. So I think that's evolved over time. And so part of it is operational expenses, similar to the government of needing right. to keep the lights on. And part of it is, Take from the rich, give to the poor. Yeah, maybe not in this case, but take from one person, give to the other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. So, but here the, the beauty of this is that, short of some denominations that make it more or less compulsory that they're going to kick you out of the church if you're not tithing. Right. And I think a few, a little bit of that still exists. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I don't know how hard they hit it, but the Church of Latter Day Saints is is one the Mormons that are pretty strict about the ten percent thing
2: right and as a result they and have they're a massive loaded, by yeah. The way. <laughs> yeah they have a massive pool
0: of money to give away and do all kinds yeah. of things with. yeah yeah so
2: well, and you know that 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 brings up something interesting to me is is th- this idea of the duty to provide right so
1: mm-hmm.
2: there's this concept that there's a duty to to donate something right to give something, but it sort of left up to you. You know, whether, <laughs> you know, whether you donate to the Bishop's Capital Campaign or you donate to, you know, right. your parish to keep the lights on or, uh, you know, what the specific things you donate to or even just good nonprofits. I know we we did a fundraiser for a sonogram machine for the local uh, Life Care, I think it's called Life Care Center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, this these different kinds of things. Um, and I know like the Knights of Columbus, we do all kinds of fundraisers and right. the Tootsie Roll thing. and Yeah. So
0: Well, and I I kind of, uh, I think the Lutheran Church falls back, and many other churches too, but uh, the Missouri Synod Lutheran on 2 Corinthians 9-7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Yeah. So that could be a scary low bar, though. Like, oh, this isn't making me happy. I can (laughs) think. I can think of a lot better things to do with this five bucks, but, uh, but, but that's part of the struggle. I think what's interesting with that is that that's each person's relationship with, with Christ and, and wherever they're at in their journey, that they need to kind of think about that. Well, yeah.
2: And I think the other way to think about it too, might be to think about it sort of as a properly formed conscience, right? So like you say, well, it doesn't make me happy to, you know, give money to the church instead of, you know, buy whatever i want but right. you know the idea is like well you know what you want should be in line with um your faith to an extent right and so maybe there's some kind of some kind of a check in there on on some of those words
0: but well i know that the missouri Synod lutheran also preaches and i, I can't quite find if this is where this would be biblically but that it should be part of the first fruits that you're thinking about giving from the top end i don't I don't think God wants it to be the residual, like, well, oh, whatever's <laughs> left over, I'll yes. throw on the plate, because, you know, in terms of uh, love the Lord your God above everything else, right. well, if if the leftover is the the church, right. that's kind of taking things out of order. So I think yeah. from a, even a Ten Commandments perspective, that makes sense, that where, where are your priorities in life, and sure. if the church is the leftover, that's probably not quite. So, so in other words, you
2: should be budgeting and it should be part of the budget, not just yeah, what's left over. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, and it's high, like in the Dave Ramsey program, it, it is high on the budget in terms of yeah. the thing you look at as you're making your budget, it's kind of up there. Um, and he does that intentionally because of his beliefs, but, but whether it needs to be exactly 10% or not is, uh, well,
2: okay. So here's a question for you on the math. So I want to put you on the spot and see what yeah. you think of this. So do you think it should be 10% of your gross pay <laughs> or do you think it should be 10% of some net figure yeah. and, and how do you compute that Well, after figure?
0: tax right because well, yeah, tax is but, non-voluntary right right so but i guess what i'm we saying don't is most have a choice in terms of disposable yeah. income
2: but most i would say most people who have you know a a normal sort of medium to large size employer they don't you're, you're you've got basically two numbers on your head right you maybe you have an idea of your annual total gross and then you know what you're bringing home in your paycheck right yeah. but the what you but that the difference between those two isn't just taxes right it's also 401k contributions and insurance expenses and blah 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 that kind of stuff right so there are some expenses sort of baked into most people's yeah. you know so like is there some kind of duty to like do the math and make sure you're just subtracting out taxes or right. what do you think
0: yeah I, th- I i mean i think you need to be looking at that, but from a biblical standard, I don't think it matters. If I remember right, I think even Dave Ramsey says, I think he gets this question regularly. And if I remember right from different ways, he says, is it 10% off the gross or 10% off the after tax? Do what you think is right in your heart. So, <clears throat> But from an economic standpoint, we, we do need to remember taxes are involuntary. We don't have any choice. Your 401k contribution, you do right. have a choice on how much you're doing. That's, that's so, more of an
2: expense of some. So
0: I think when you when you boil down to the money that you that you have at your disposal, again, if we're taking it out of the 401k, we're kind of saying well, I'm prioritizing my retirement over God. But then again, maybe I'm just going to give my money away to the church when I die anyway, yes, and right. so you yeah. can think yourself into a into a mess real quick so I think you gotta maybe do what's what's right for you and figure it out but your points will take and if I take 10% of 100 grand that's 10 grand if I take 10% of 80 grand after tax that's eight grand so Mm -hmm. the church is like thinking hey I think it's (laughs) off the gross which kind of uh, uh gets us gets us thinking here that maybe um after we get done with our break, we'll come into some public choice stuff where is it possible that the institutions of the church have had incentives to, how shall I say, interpret scripture a certain way so that the money was flowing a certain way. So that might be kind yeah. of similar to uh, uh, what sort of incentives that we've talked about in other podcasts on government incentives and public choice theory. So that might be kind of fun. So um, we'll uh, take a little break here and get back to you in about 30 seconds.
1: please visit our website at 123povertysucks.org. There you will find our events, blog, and our swag shop. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 123povertysucks or on Facebook at Gortney Institute for updates on our activities and research. The Gortney Institute has high school programs where students come to campus for a morning of discussion and engagement on economic freedom and other topics. If you know a student who would like to participate, please visit our website under the high school tab. Don't forget to check out our show notes for this episode at Mm podcast.123povertysucks.org.
0: Okay, so we're back here talking about uh, some tithing issues, and Jason, you had something you looked at some level of giving. What do you got here?
1: Well, I just saw looking this up before we started this podcast that we've definitely seen a decrease in recent years on the amount that people are giving in churches, and I wonder if that has anything to do with how we currently are starting to pay for things. Like, a lot of my generation, they, they don't carry cash, and they definitely don't use checks. And growing up, that's all my family would use for when they uh, gave money to the church. They would give a check or get cash. Mm-hmm. But I, I wonder if we're, we're a generation that's so reliant on our cards, how that's affecting things like churches. And I've had this discussion with people about, like, people who perform on on the street, who play music how mm-hmm. this credit card yeah. Yeah. Um, generation might change giving. Yeah,
0: and I've heard that they've taken, with the Apple iPay or whatever, some different techniques where I've heard street performers say, we will take right. you know, credit so cards have, or little thing debit cards. Phone. Yeah. yeah, so I've heard them advertise that. I also, uh, my brother participated in something at his church where I grew up. He's the Catholic church where I grew up. And they had a campaign where he, he's a graphic designer, so he designed cards that they had that people who have an automatic uh, withdrawal as their contribution, when the plate is passed around so that they didn't feel kind of awkward that they're not dropping anything in the plate, (laughs) they had these little cards that you could grab as you entered the church And then you drop that into the plate. That's a good
2: Um, reminder for other people to sign up. Exactly.
0: Kind of that. And yeah, yeah, so it had some multiple purposes. So that was kind of an innovative way that they tackled some of that issue um, with automatic giving or credit card giving or whatever. And
2: I think that just maybe kind of speaks to the importance of some of these places having, and I think these payment systems are, are very cheap. It's just, there's a generational gap, you know, our, very old boomers going to go to your website and feel comfortable using PayPal, you Mm -hmm. know, to make their donations. Right. But I, you know, so, I mean, I know I've seen some church websites that have a, you said the withdrawal option and, you know, I mean, who knows, maybe they have a Bitcoin wallet or something like that, you know,
0: know, (laughs) on the, on that data you mentioned, I I know you just kind of looked at it briefly, but one thing that came to mind for me is, is it, the level of giving has fallen off possibly due to the decline of attendance and the decline of church population, or was it per person giving, like even if the population fell, that it was actually per capita giving. I don't know if it said that. Yeah, I don't think it
1: got into the specific uh, reasoning Hmm. behind the decrease in giving, but it was just saying that in, in recent years it has declined. Yeah,
0: hopefully they did it on average level of giving mm-hmm. per person, I think. Yeah, That's I mean,
2: it would be hard to measure. I mean, th- you would have to do a pretty good survey, I would think, to get actual specifics on that kind of thing. Yeah. But, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I thought it'd be important to give a little background on this public choice concept that we teased you into the second half with. Hopefully, hopefully you're still listening, if you're still with us. The public choice field of economics kind of came about by uh, Jim Buchanan and uh, some other folks back in the 60s and They started thinking, you know, self-interest is kind of our mantra in economics, that the person is self-interested, and as we've talked about in previous uh, episodes, it's important to distinguish that that does not mean selfishness, um, but rather your self-interest can include the interest of other human beings, including your other church members or your pastor or or whatever. However, that self-interest does not somehow disappear when our politicians take office, at that all of a sudden they become these angels that now run the public good <laughs> right. and equally serve in the best way possible so we, we, you know the easy one I guess to think of is back around when I lived in Iowa that a politician in office is, is going to be a little biased towards corn related policies you know and that would be natural that he's protecting the interest of Iowa if it was an Iowa elected official. But a public choice even boils down to the individual self-interest. And then mm-hmm. then it can even boil down to where we get into the corruption area, where why did this politician do this thing? Well, that might have been out of greed or selfishness right. if they got some kickbacks from uh, learning about a, a stock option from some donor or whatnot. So now relating that to the church then, maybe is difficult, but I think it's worth talking about is that when our people in church take office in an administrative way, possibly a pastoral way, that some of that sin and certainly just general self-interest that might not be sinful does not leave. And so I think what economics teaches us is that we should be mindful of that when we see what people are doing, the decisions that they're making, or the direction that an organization is heading—that it might not be in the all Christ way, I guess, in the sense of the church—that we should at least be leery that um, there could be some other motives.
2: Yeah. So I, it's—I think that's kind of interesting because it, it's good for people to be mindful of that kind of thing, and I think we be mindful of the way there they can have control over the funds they donate. Right. Yeah, sure. um, and so, you know, I know there are in the Methodist church, there was a big, very controversial decision recently at the sort of at the, at the world level, you know, as a Catholic, I mean, obviously,
0: Oh, where the the schism in the church where they were heading different directions. They might've been headed Is different directions. Methodist right. Yeah. yeah.
2: I don't think they ended up doing that too much, but, but you know, over some contentious type issues, but you know, and then of course you've got, you know, some of these very, uh, heinous cardinals and stuff like that with the catholic church that you know people it's like they, they want to keep their their local parish keep the lights on there mm-hmm. but they don't want to be in the catholic church the, the local parish pays a tax to the archdiocese or the diocese mm-hmm. so you know they, they want to try to control that as much as they can and, and what, so it is some sort of pyramid
0: scheme <laughs> yeah, right. i have you on uh, <laughs> recording right, you got me.
2: but but you know the What some people have said is like, well, you know, if you, if you designate, you know, in a check, it says in the bottom corner, it says for what, right? you know, if you designate that that's for the gas bill or for the electric bill, you know, they have to do that, right? And it's fraud if they don't, Right. if you purely give to, you know, you don't give to the bishop's call or whatever, or the the capital campaigns and you only give to, you know, your parish um, or your, or your local community, then You know, it is what it is. And so I I think people should avail themselves of those types of things. Maybe with this electronic thing, it makes it a little harder, right? If you don't have a check that has that little line on there, you know, maybe that kind of makes things a little tougher, you know, to, to control your funds that way.
0: Yeah, I would further add that my interpretation, which could be dangerous of some of these biblical principles, is that God calls us to use reason. And prudence, and I think that's where economics steps in with us being potentially leery of someone. Yes, you can trust in Christ, but maybe be a little careful trusting in that man or woman that's in a position within the church. Sure. So yeah. there, there is an important distinction, and I think too often people maybe uh, too quickly hand over their trust, lock, stock, and barrel, mm-hmm. because of their belief in Christ or their feelings with the church and public choice economics would teach us to be a little, a little careful with that. And, and, it, and it's biblical in the sense that I think it's just sin enters in to re, these sure. are real human beings sure. that are running these churches and running t- preaching the word. And so it, it's not Christ himself. So be, Christ and the Holy spirit are working through these people would be kind of the more Lutheran idea of vocation. And that's how Christ builds the church.
2: And and I think, too, it's not necessarily just trust, but it's also kind of, you know, habits and stuff like that. You know, you get into a habit of something and maybe there's uh, just need to be vigilant,
0: I guess, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And too often we might have just well, oh, put 20 bucks. Uh, speaking of habits, you know, I just oh, I'll put 20 yeah. bucks in the plate or 50 bucks in the yeah. plate without really kind of. Doing well, a like, little more mindful yeah. calculation of should and I mean With more, my kids, you know, each kid that? has
2: to have a bill, right? They got, you know, <laughs> each kid. So I got to be careful how many I have, right? So, yeah.
0: uh, but, you know. Now, did they earn that bill? I know your <laughs> kids are a little young, but yeah. I, I heard uh, <laughs> I heard somebody speak on this at one point that we might not be doing our children a, a big favor by continuing to hand them that dollar as they get into a little more working age, let's call it chore age. Where if, if you are doing some sort of uh, allowance, where they've mowed the lawn or they've done some chores and they get twenty dollar allowance, to have them a part of that twenty dollars, you should be maybe encouraging them. That's your dollar. That's your twenty. So now you're with nineteen. Now, mom and dad behind the scenes, instead of giving them twenty, give them twenty five and tell them to put you know a yeah. fraction of it in. It. Well, I wasn't we can kind yeah. of Cook the books, but the lesson is important that that giving habit is coming out of your own hard earned money. And therefore when you first get your paycheck, it's not like, Whoa, that's, I got to give some of this away, but I got, I need my money for this and this and this. Right. Yep. So yeah.
2: And I I was, I was just talking about, you know, when they pass the around. Yeah. 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 I know what you mean. And
0: especially when they're little, that that's kind (laughs) of the start of that habit. But I remember hearing some commentator bring that up. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, Yeah. And that, that might get us into, uh, whether we have our kids uh, pay for uh, pay for things out uh, of their own money or not, my uh, mom gave some good advice to me once when we were struggling financially, and it just didn't seem, you know, like you can carve out something for the church. And she just said. You know, even if you just give $5 or whatever, it is mm-hmm. something that you would have spent anywhere. I mean, it's a small sacrifice, but you're at least in the habit. Rather than giving zero, you have actually kept that habit. Yep. And then uh, maybe when times are better or whatever, you know, you can you can bump that up. And Makes so, sense. I yeah. thought that was good, good advice from old mom. So, <laughs> and hopefully we can develop those sort of habits, so. All right. Well, I think we've kind of said what we wanted to say unless you guys can think of anything else. I think we're good. All right. So on behalf of Ottawa University and the Gortney Institute, I'd like to thank you for listening. If you like what you hear and want to continue to support us, we ask that you hit the old subscribe button and that gives us more activity as a good start. And then on our website, we do have a little donation button if you feel so inclined, but Unlike the church, we won't require a fraction of your of your income as a donation. Uh, we want it to be cheerful, right? We want it to be we we the Lord and us from the Gordon Institute would just like a cheerful giver. So that's right. Uh, having said that, on behalf of everyone here, be fruitful and multiply. Thanks.